on this edition of Life on the Run. I believe that we don't have to be tossed to and fro by the winds and the waves of life because we are people of purpose that we can stand firm in life. Life moves fast, and we don't often take a moment to hit the brakes and slow down. Do you want to take your life and your faith to the next level? Join Pastor Dale Sism as he shines a light on what it truly means to love God, serve people, and share Christ in your area of influence. This is Life on the Run, a weekly podcast designed to help more people find true life in Jesus Christ. I'm beginning a new series this morning called Legacy. Um, Let me give you a little back story on this. I had actually planned this series for November. And at the end of last Sunday, in response to the message that we went through last Sunday uh, called Here I Am, Send Me, which was uh, last in in that three-part series called Dangerous Prayers, um, I really felt that God was speaking to our church family about what he is calling us to be, what he's calling us to do. And so I really felt impressed to to take this series that that I had planned for November and to move it to now and the series I was going to start this Sunday and move it to November. And, uh, And so today I want to talk about driven by eternity, that God really does have a plan and a purpose for our life. Anybody ever heard that said? God has a plan and a purpose for your life? I believe it. I really, really believe it. I believe that the Bible is so clear on that, that even long before we were ever born, God knew us, God had a plan and a purpose for us. The Bible tells us that even wrote a book about our life, even before we began day one. That's why I am so, so committed to the sanctity of life, that every child, every baby, even in the womb, has a plan and a purpose from God. And I am so committed to that because it is true God does have a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us and the reason is is because God is a God of purpose God isn't a God who just is a God of happenstance I love the verse that Ryan pulled out of Isaiah where it talks about that God knows the end from the beginning and if he knows the end from the beginning he also knows that of every day in between, that God has every day that is mapped out. Here's a verse in Psalm 112, verse 5. It says this, Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. Let me read that last line again. A righteous man will be remembered forever. That doesn't mean that life won't be difficult at times. It doesn't mean that there there won't be moments where life is going to try and shake us, but it does say that we will be unshakable. I believe that we don't have to be tossed to and fro by the winds and the waves of life, but rather we can remain firm in our faith and our trust in God that no matter what comes our way, because we are people of purpose, that we can stand firm in life. 
God has a plan and a purpose for you because God is a God of purpose and he's very interested in your life. He, he has invested into you and he wants to make sure that his investment is going to bring about a good reward. So let me give you a definition of legacy. If you have your notes, you can pull that out. If you want to follow along as well on our uh, new site called Today at Life, uh, you can... You can also pull the notes and take notes along with, uh, with us there as well. But let me give you a definition of legacy. Here's, here's the definition. Where my life lives on. Legacy is where my life lives on. When I die, what I have done in my life continues on. It continues on into the successive generations. Now, how do we do that? Let me give you two ways that I believe that our life can live on into the future. Number one is this, where we are giving to something that will outlive me. Where I am investing my life into something that is bigger, that is broader, that is longer lasting than my personal existence. Secondly, is living so my life outlives me. So that everything that I do and everything I have done lives bigger and grander and longer than what I have lived. So legacy is where my life lives on by giving to something that will outlive me and living so my life outlives me. Most people know when they were born. If you're taking notes, my birthday is January 20th, 1957. I'll have my birthday list out on the information table at the end of the service. So everyone knows when they were born. But the real key to life is knowing the why you were born. Why are you born? Why do you exist? And I am so convinced that when you understand the why then the wind will make sense. Then everything about your life begins to fall into play. Then you can live your life on mission. You can live your life on purpose. You can live your life so that it will leave a legacy beyond your life. Our church has a mission. We're on a mission for Christ. We're doing our part in God's grand scheme. We're not called to be every other church in our community or in our city. We're called to do what God has called us to do. We're called to live our life on purpose. And that's why I believe as I ended last Sunday with, with this passion that what we do matters. What we do each and every day matters. And the future of our life, the future of our church, the future of the church exists and it lives on beyond us, that it really does matter. There are two parts of our life. There is the, the earthly part. There is the part that is here in the right now, but there is also the part that exists and lives on into eternity. And I want to spend quite a bit of time talking about that this morning. Here's a scripture verse for you. Romans chapter 14, verse 10. Paul is writing and he says, You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. God. 
So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. We will all give an account of ourselves to God. But Jesus says, as surely as I live. Now we know that he lives and he lives forever and in eternity. He says, as long as I live, as surely as I live, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will acknowledge God. There is a day coming when every human being on planet earth will bow their knee to Jesus Christ. And they will acknowledge God. That they will acknowledge that Jesus is exactly who he said he is. He is the king and the Lord of the universe. Every knee will bow before him and acknowledge that. Now, we have two choices. Here on earth, we can willingly bow and surrender our lives. Or in eternity, we will obediently bow and acknowledge that Jesus is who he says he is. Let me tell you, eternity goes a whole lot better when you do it here on this side of eternity. When you acknowledge Jesus and you bow your knee to Jesus and you acknowledge God is God and Lord of your life. When I went to school, I, I love I love school. I, I I had so much fun. I loved learning, but there was one thing that I so struggled in, and that was taking tests. Anybody trouble taking tests? That was me. I mean, I I was the kind of student that that when the teacher asked on a test, where was the Declaration of Independence sign? You know, my answer would be at the bottom. I mean, that was. That, 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 that was my answer. You know, I, I love true and false questions because I at least had a 50% chance of getting the answer right. Multiple choice was a little tougher because your, your percentage went down. You were like 25% chance of getting this one right. But the ones that I really loved on a test were the ones where you had 10 words on this side and 10 words on this side and you had to draw a line. Anybody remember those? You know, you had to match this word goes with this word. And so what I would do is I would bring every line into the center and then go to the next one. And so every line ended up in the center. So I could logically say to the student, no, if you follow this line, it'll go to the right answer. It just had to stop at the Grand Central Station first. I mean, that's the kind of student I was. I didn't get good grades. But anyway, um, <laughs> there is coming a test that all of us will take. There's really a two-question test that believers will take. And I want to help you out. I, I, I did better when I had the answers to the test ahead of time and I prepared for that test. So let me help you out with the questions, but also let me help you out with the answers. Here's the first question that everyone is going to be asked. What did you do with my son, Jesus? That's the first question God is going to ask. Now, it may be worded a little bit differently. This is my human understanding to it. What did you do with my son, Jesus? God is going to say, I sent my son. 
to earth to redeem mankind, that he went to a very cruel cross. He received my wrath that was due you. He paid your penalty of your sin. And he did it because I love you. And all you have to do is receive him and trust him and follow him. And so the question is, what did you do with my son? And if you answer, I've trusted him. I have followed him. I've given my life to him. Then life and eternity is going to go very well. Here's what the Bible says in the book of Revelation. Revelation written... Speaking of a time that is still yet to come, much of it. Then I saw a great white throne and him who is seated on it. The earth and heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, important and unimportant, rich and poor. In other words, everyone, it doesn't matter what your status is in life, this is speaking of every person. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. There are books and there is the book, the book of life. You don't want to be judged by the books. The books record everything you have done. But when you have trusted and placed your faith in Christ, then your name is recorded in the book the book of life. And when your name is recorded in the book of life, then everything that is recorded in the books, all of the sins, all of the bad things, all of the failures, all the times you've broken God's laws are erased out of that book, out of those books. The key is to have your name in the Lamb's book of life. How do you get your name in that book? By knowing God personally through his son, Jesus. Jesus said this. And by the way, that is a, that's a grace statement. That's a grace judgment. Because when your name is written in that book, it is not about what you have done. It's about what Jesus has done for us. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. He says, not everyone will say, who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. What is the will of the Father? That all would come to repentance. All would come to trust Jesus as Lord and Savior. He said, but many will say to me on that day, Lord, didn't we do all these religious things? We prophesied in your name. We drove out demons. We performed miracles. We did all these religious things. And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. I didn't have a relationship with you. And the word knew doesn't mean to have an intellectual knowledge. The, the Greek word means to have an experiential knowledge. I never knew you. I didn't know you personally. 
He says, and I will plainly tell them, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. That's the first judgment. That's the one where God asks, what did you do with my son Jesus? Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? The second question, and this question is for those who got the first answer right. Here's the second question. What did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? In other words, what, what we do here on earth after we have come to faith in Christ matters. Leaving a legacy matters, church. It really does. Listen to this verse, 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. He's writing to believers. We all, so when he says we must all, he's, he's talking about all believers. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is done, due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now, again, this judgment is for believers. This isn't the one that determines whether we get into heaven because we're saved by grace through faith in Christ. But it's talking about how we have lived our life for Jesus after we have come to faith in him. It's not a judgment where believers are judged for their sins because Christ already paid for our sins. There's another term for this. The Greek word that Paul uses is the word the bema seat of judgment. The bema seat is a, comes from... And the best illustration I can give is, is where Paul's drawing from is the Olympic Games that occurred back in those days, the Athenian Games. But, but he would, he used that word and the Bema Sea was the platform where the judge of the game would sit. And the athletes would compete for the prize. They would run the race, jump the hurdles, shoot the arrows, wrestle, whatever they would do. And, and the victor would be brought before the Bema seat, would be brought before the judge's seat and rewarded the victor's crown. They would receive the reward for the job well done. I think of that that verse that Paul or that Jesus said, there is coming a time when we will hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. This is the judgment that Jesus is looking forward to. It's the one where it puts a smile on his face because he wants to give rewards. He wants to give crowns. He wants to pass out the blessings of our faithfulness to him. This is not where the loser is punished, but where the victor is rewarded. Hebrews 11.6 says God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God loves to give rewards to his people. Jesus said this, Matthew 16, for the Son of Man is going to come to his, in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he's done. You can't work your way into heaven, but when you get to heaven, what you've done here on earth really does matter. How you've lived your life faithfully for Christ matter. Will you be able to say at that day when he asks, what have you done with what I've given you? Will you be able to say, God, I have lived my life, not for me, but I've lived it for you. Will you be able to say that? Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this. He's made everything beautiful in his time. And he's put eternity 
in the human heart. He's made everything beautiful in its time. And he put eternity in the human heart. There is a longing in the human heart for God. Someone once said that God put on the inside of each person a vacuum that only God can fill. I'm so convinced of that. So how do we live this way? How do we live intentionally? How do we ensure that we leave a godly legacy? How do we live a life that outlives us? Let me give you three quick ways and then we'll close. Number one is this. I will intentionally give what I have. I will intentionally give what I have. Now you can't give what you don't have. You can't be judged by what you don't have. You can only give what you do have. So we intentionally give what we do have. So you say, well, I don't really have a whole lot. Really? We all got time. We all have exactly the same amount of time every week, 168 hours. We all have the exact same amount of time. You've got your life. You've got gifts and talents and natural abilities. We have supernatural and spiritual abilities and gifts that God has given us. We have resources. We have everything that God has given to us, God says, is for him. In fact, he says it this way. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Let me encourage you, look at what you have. If you already live here in our country, you're the richest in the world. So we all have riches that God has given unto us. You say, again, I don't have much. You got to smile. Turn to your neighbor and just smile at him. Would you just show him your pearly whites? Just do it right now. All right, you got to smile. There's a smile that can be shared. We all have two ears. We have listening ears. We can hear as someone shares a burden with us or, or share a heartache that they are carrying. We have, we have listening ears. We have arms that we can put around someone that maybe is hurting and struggling. We we can give a warm hug. Again, we've got our natural abilities. We've got certainly resources and our income and time and we've got houses and cars. I mean, we've got, we've got so much that God has given us. This last week, Sandy and I had a, a garage sale because we are trying to get stuff out of our house. We've lived in our house for 20 years and I've come to the realization that why, while we are sleeping, stuff in our house is multiplying like bunnies. Anybody ever experienced that? It's like, where did all this stuff come from? And so we're just giving it away. And in fact, yesterday, we just literally gave a lot of stuff away. You want it? You got it. We've, Sandy and I have learned how to, how to give what God has given us. One simple way is just by being a percentage giver. By planning what we are going to give. Now, you can give spont spontaneously. 
And, and there are times that you can do that. We did that a lot yesterday. I had a, I had a saddle that I bought when I was 15 years old, and, and it was brand spanking new. I haven't had a horse in many years, but I've kept the saddle because it, it's something that I had growing up. And, uh, and it got to this place of like, I really don't want to store a saddle anymore. Um, Sandy is hoping for a horse someday. She's looking forward to the day she can ride with John Wayne back on the right ho- white horse back to earth. And, and so there was a family, uh, they had a, a young child and, and he looked at the saddle and looked at it and looked at it. And, and, um, and so, uh, you know, yesterday was like 50% off day. He says, really, including the saddle? I says, yeah, you know, 50% off. And I don't think I have room in my car. And pretty soon he's picking it up and carrying it to the car. He says, yeah, it'll fit in there. And he says, I even got a better deal for you. I says, it's free. It's just yours. Just be blessed. So there's a time to be spontaneously giving. But let me encourage you to be a percentage giver. The Bible gives us a good... A good pattern to follow, at least 10%. You may want to give more than that. That's always a good pattern to, to start with. But be a percentage giver. Let your giving live beyond you. Give to what matters. As you know, here at Life Church, we, we never manipulate. We just always encourage you to pray and give what you plan. And let God bless you. Number two is this. I will intentionally serve others. I will intentionally serve others. If you're new, it's okay to sit. But if you've been here for a while, find a way to serve. If you want to be a legacy person, find a way to intentionally serve others others. Here's, here's a simple way. And I always encourage people, don't wait to be asked. If you're walking through the foyer, you see a piece of paper on the floor, pick it up. Just come early. By the way, that's something everybody could do. You could all come early on a Sunday morning and uh, you could just stand at the door and greet people as they come in and say, welcome to life. Glad you're here. That's something everybody can do. But we all can serve. Jesus said this, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In other words, he set the pattern for us. So let me encourage you, find a place to serve. It may be on our welcome team. It may be on the worship team, on the nursery team, a safety team, children's team, youth team, whatever team it may be. Come and just serve on that team. Lead a small group. Open your, open your home to a small group. Someone once said it this way, church is often compared to a football game. There are 22 players on the field in desperate need of rest and 60,000 fans in the stands in desperate need of exercise. So, so, so let's, let's get out of the stands and let's get serving. Number three is this, I will intentionally share Christ. I'll intentionally share Christ. It's sharing our story, sharing what God has done in our life. 
And that's really kind of, we have this pattern here of using the, uh, the flowers just as a way. Red flowers are, are those that we've shared Christ with someone. Every now and then there's a, a white flower that we've had the privilege of sharing Christ and leading someone to a personal saving knowledge of Jesus. Christmas is coming, one of our most evangelistic seasons of the year. What a great opportunity to just say to someone, will you come join me? Will you come and, and attend a service with me? Next month, we're going to do the You Ask For It series. And that's, that's where we answer questions of faith. Questions that many of you asked about back at Easter when we did a survey. But it's one that even many people who aren't following Jesus, that they have questions about faith and we try to answer them. Some of you have never known the thrill of leading someone to Jesus. I want to give you that thrill. There's no greater joy than leading someone to eternity. 2 Corinthians 5 says this. Why do we do this? Because we're Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We are God's solutions. There is no plan B. God is not going to send angels to do what he called us to do. We're called to be his ambassadors. Jesus said to his followers, go everywhere in the world and tell good news to everyone. Why do we do it? Because we're commanded. That's a good reason. But more importantly, because we have the opportunity to allow our life to live on beyond us, to leave a legacy. We are driven by eternity. Because we know that eternity matters. Eternity exists. And we want everyone to come to the joy and the, uh, of knowing that Jesus Christ lives in us. If, you, if, if he doesn't, you don't know what it's like. It's like me trying to tell you what a watermelon tastes like. You will never know until you taste. Well, I don't believe in watermelons. Well, you will never know unless you taste one. You will never know until you taste Jesus. God said, taste and see that the Lord is good. He is so good. Last verse, 1 Timothy 6. Paul says this, command those who are rich. What do we learn? We're all rich. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. And in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. In other words, what we do here on earth matters in heaven. So that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. You want to live? Leave a legacy. Why? Because there is more to this life than this. 
There is more to this life than what we have in this life. There is an eternity and God has planned us and prepared us for it. So let's be driven by eternity and let's leave a legacy. Would you bow your head with me this morning? Father, I thank you today. Thank you, God, for loving us. Thank you for inviting us to be part of your grand plan. That our life matters, not just now, but for eternity. I pray for those, Father, that have never tasted and seen that the Lord is good. That if you've never surrendered or trusted in Jesus as your personal Savior, then don't let this morning go. Don't let this moment go. But what you say, Jesus, come and be my Lord and Savior. I give my life to you. Forgive me of every sin. I want to be judged by being in the Lamb's book of life, that Jesus, you bore my judgment for me. I give my life to you, Jesus. And help us as a people, as individuals, and as a church to remember that what we do, not just for an hour on a Sunday morning, but what we do the other 167 hours a week, it matters, and it matters for eternity. Give us the grace, the strength, to do what you have called us to do and to live the life that you've called us to live. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Life on the Run. Find show notes, video, and much more on our website at eplife.org. Join our Facebook community at eplife.org forward slash Facebook. To support the work and ministry of Life Church, head to eplife.org forward slash giving. Life Church is located in Eden Prairie, Minnesota, and our weekly services are at 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning. And join us next week for Life on the Run podcast so that you can leave your mark on the world by hitting the brakes, increasing your faith, and living out your life for Christ. Christ.